This is Big Talk. Michael Glab here. My guests this week in the studio, Tracy Hutchings Getz. She's a community organizer with Hoosier Action. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Michael. And next to her, Cass Botts. She's the interim executive director of the Indiana Recovery Alliance. Hi, Cass. Hi, Michael. Well, I'm glad you are both able to join me. And the reason the two of you are in here today is because your organizations are working together on a project. Now, let me see if I've got it right here. It is the Save Hoosier Healthcare Campaign. Tracy? Yeah, that's exactly right, Michael. What's going on here? Save Hoosier Healthcare, is it going away? (laughs) For some people, it very well could. This is a campaign focused on protecting a form of Medicaid in Indiana called the Healthy Indiana Plan Uh from a set of dangerous and unnecessary changes that the state is slowly rolling out called Gateway to Work. Gateway to Work. Okay, what is that? It is an additional paperwork requirement um, to the Healthy Indiana Plan. Um, so Hoosiers who are enrolled in uh, HIP 2.0, or the Healthy Indiana Plan, are going to be required, um, they've been required since July, to document their employment status to the state unless they're granted an exemption. So this is a program that places kind of additional burdens on Hoosiers who are um, low income, who qualify for Medicaid in Indiana, to constantly verify that they still qualify for the program. Um, so if you have a job, you don't qualify? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so uh, they, folks who are, it is designed or purported to be an attempt to put Hoosiers to work. So it's supposed to incentivize Hoosiers to work, but it's a little bit backwards. Uh So in my book, um, in my experience, you actually need healthy, you need to be healthy to work. Right. And this is a program that uses healthcare as a stick rather than a carrot. Uh So if um, you are unable to work or um, a Hoosier who say doesn't have internet access or cell phone access or you're um, functionally illiterate, which is a surprisingly high number of Hoosiers um, in some of our associated counties. All reasons why you would need Medicaid. Exactly, yes. Or if you're a Hoosier um, with a head injury that hasn't been documented. Right. Um, If you miss the reporting deadline, even if you're meeting the requirements, even if you're working um, or volunteering, you can still get kicked off of the Healthy Indiana Plan and be forced to re-enroll, which is um, a pretty uh, arduous process sometimes. Uh, It requires a lot of documentation. It's confusing. We are deeply concerned that this program is going to lead to more uninsured Hoosiers. Yeah. Um, And And we don't need that. No, we don't. (laughs) Um, Well, interestingly, Hoosier Action, as far as I can see, Tracy, uh, and by the way, uh, listeners might recall that uh, this past January, we ran an interview with the founder and executive director of Hoosier Action, that would be Kate Hess-Pace, 
And by the way, she's sort of running things in New Albany now. You are sort of running things here in Bloomington, Tracy. Yes, so I um, organize Hoosiers um, in South Central Indiana in five counties, which are um, Monroe, Green, Lawrence, at Brown um, counties. Um, and we have an office here in Bloomington. Did I do five? <laughs> you think you did four? Oh, goodness. Owen? Monroe, Green, Owen, Brown, and Lawrence. Thank you, there Michael. You go. Um, so I anchor down the South Central region. We have a new organizer, Will Stoffer, who uh. is down in New Albany, uh, and he organizes folks in Floyd and Clark counties. And we have an organizer, uh, Tasha, who works in Franklin, and, uh, sorry, in. Franklin, which is in um, Johnson, Johnson County, County. as yeah. well as Morgan County. Okay, so the, working on this uh, work requirement uh, thing makes sense because part of Hoosier Action's mission is to deal with health care issues. Cast bots. Tell us, what is your connection with this program? Yeah, so I run the Indiana Recovery Alliance, which uh -huh. is the local harm reduction nonprofit organization. And harm reduction is just a set of strategies and ideas that are aimed at reducing negative consequences associated with drug use. So that can include overdose prevention. We also are contracted out by the health department to administer the syringe services program. And so we're interested in the Save Hoosier Healthcare campaign because there's an intersection between people who use drugs and people who are on the Healthy Indiana plan. So our participants are people who are um, often in vulnerable situations and are directly impacted by these additional barriers. It's just one more thing to have to worry about, more paperwork to deal with when they may be living in chaotic drug use and kind of have um, a difficult time taking care of those things. I can imagine certain people saying, now wait a minute, you're using drugs, why should I pay for your health care with my taxes? Yeah, I mean, part of the thing about being a drug user is maybe needing to go into treatment or uh, access health care services in order to overcome that struggle. And if you don't have health care to be able to do so, how are you ever going to be able to get healthy? So that's my argument is that it's, it's part of the way toward getting to the quality of life that you want to live to be able to have access to health care to deal with those because it is a public health issue, drug use, that is. Okay, so we've got this program going on. What are you doing to make changes? Yeah. Tracy. To win this fight, to make changes, we are partnering with organizations like the Indiana Recovery Alliance around the state. So there are more than... Uh, Chaos and her group. Correct. Who else? We are also working with the Concerned Clergy of Indianapolis, Faith in Indiana, which organizes in Indianapolis as well as up north and South Bend and St. Joseph County. Um, we are partnering with um, Faith in Healthcare, um, which is based in Indianapolis. Um, so we're bringing together this coalition of partners from across the state that are organizing everyday Hoosiers to say that this program is not in line with our values. Mm. And we don't want more uninsured people. And we don't want our neighbors to lose health care. 
So we're organizing a series of meetings and public events with state representatives this month, um, leading to a massive meeting in Indianapolis um, on Saturday, November 2nd, um, that will encompass the entire statewide effort. So coming up more recently, um, on September 26th, which is a Thursday evening, we're organizing a community health conversation with State Representative Jeff Ellington, and U.S. Senator Todd Young has also committed to sending a representative from his office mm -hmm. um, to this public meeting that we're going to be having um, in Greene County at the fairgrounds to share with our elected officials our experiences navigating the healthcare system here in Indiana, including um, difficulties accessing healthcare through HIP and our concerns about this program. To your knowledge, is the work requirement or something similar to it unique to Indiana or do any other states have this? Indiana is the only state that is currently running um, ah. this requirement because it has been ruled unconstitutional in every other state where it was attempted. You mean by the state Supreme Courts? Uh, yes. So not the United States Supreme Court. Okay. Um, yes. I believe it was a district court, but I'm oh, not district, certain federal about district a federal court. district okay. court. Yeah. yeah. In Arkansas, which is right. um, the first state, I believe, to implement these changes, hmm. um, nearly 18,000 people were kicked off of Medicaid, and they have not been re-enrolled since, despite the problems um, with the program. So whatever goes wrong with those 18,000 people, tough luck. Yeah. And when something goes wrong with someone's health care, yeah. it's life or death. That's why we're deeply concerned here in Indiana. Now, the good news is, although this program has begun, people have had to start reporting on July 1st, the punitive effects of the program will not begin until 2020. Mm -hmm. So we're in a little bit of a grace period now where um, we're trying to bring people together um, to have them uh, fill out postcards and send emails and make phone calls and come to organizing meetings to try to stop this. Um, so far, we've collected nearly 4,000 postcards and online petition signatures about this issue, um, as well as delivered uh, the first kind of chunk of those to the governor's office. Mm. And those petition signatures came from 42 different counties, so um, nearly half of all the counties in the state. I saw a quote by you, Tracy, regarding this campaign when it started, I don't want to hear that we can't do it. Pretty determined. Yeah, I'm definitely determined um, because this issue is um, pretty personal to me. Um, I know a lot of folks and I love a lot of folks who are on HIP who are deeply concerned. Hmm. So I spend most of my day talking to people who are on the Healthy Indiana Plan. And I know people who have been kicked out already, kicked off of it already because of problems with the way that it's administered. And this is going to be not an for this particular issue, the work requirement, something correct. else. Okay. Yeah. So this morning I was on the phone with a woman named Kristen, um, a mother of three, who has been was kicked off of the Healthy Indiana Plan previously without knowing it, who has received letters telling her that um, the state needs additional documentation um, just days before that documentation is due. Yeah. I have a member, uh, Lizzie, who received a 
letter from the state telling her that they needed additional documentation to prove that she was a U.S. citizen after the deadline for that documentation. Hmm. I, uh, you know, can tell you many different stories. To it's this a bureaucratic effect. nightmare in a lot of ways, huh? Now, Cass, I noticed that uh, you're the, as I say, the interim executive director of the Indiana Recovery Alliance. I noticed that you do some office hours at the Shalom Center occasionally. I'm assuming then that you have a lot of contact with homeless people. Do a lot of homeless people get the HIP benefit? So we do have outreach office hours at the Shalom Community Center, and that's again because of the intersection between people who use drugs and people experiencing homelessness. Now, there are certain things that will get someone to be exempt from these work requirements, and we recognize that. What I'm really concerned about is the people who should be exempt but have maybe fallen through the cracks or the people who aren't exempt for whatever reason but are still going to have a hard time. So uh, I'm actually going to self-disclose here. I'm a person in recovery from substance use disorder myself. And when I was living in chaotic drug use, you know, even though I was able to go to work, that, go to work, that was kind of the bare minimum of things that I could do. It was difficult for me to um, take care of myself in a lot of ways. It was oh. difficult for me to read my mail or answer my mail or take care of my bills. And those things are because of compounding anxiety and right. mental health. And I just want to say that, you know, people who use drugs, imagine someone who's trying to like live their life and live it to the best of their ability, but has additional barriers, such as the work requirements that are just making it difficult for them to continue um, to get the health care that they need. It can be like a straw that breaks the camel's back. It can be overwhelming. Exactly. And so if someone is experiencing like these mental health issues that are, you know, comorbid with substance use disorder and they go to the pharmacy to pick up their prescription for a mental health medication yeah. and they find out that they don't have insurance anymore and aren't able to get that medication, that just makes it even more difficult for them in their path to recovery. And those drugs cost a heck of a lot of money. And that's a whole other topic. We could do 10 shows on that. Exactly. The Indiana Recovery Alliance, Cass, tell me more about it. Yeah, so it's grassroots in its origins. So before it became a nonprofit that administers the syringe services program for the Monroe County Health Department, uh -huh. it started out as a group of people who acknowledged some of the harms that can be experienced by people experiencing homelessness and people who use drugs. It was started by people who use drugs who were like, okay, if the state isn't going to take care of us, we're going to take care of each other. So in response to someone who died by exposure, our founder, Chris Aber, decided mm. to gather the materials that he was able to and kind of pass them out and help people in a you know, mutual aid effort. And so we are grassroots in origin. And in response to the Scott County HIV outbreak, yeah. there was a state of emergency declared because it in Monroe County because it was like, okay, something actually has to be done now. And so finally, once it's like a crisis where something has to be done, we were then uh, approved by the commissioners to be able to administer a syringe services program. So that's a, a lot of what we do. Cass, when did you come aboard uh, as the interim executive director? I've been here since April of 2019. Uh-huh. So you're still sort of new in the job. Yeah, uh, it's been a few months now, and 
definitely getting the hang of it. And uh, as somebody who has lived experience, you know, it's just it's really important that our organization is made up of and run by people with lived experience with this issue. You, like Deborah Morrow at Middleway House, were the type of person who could avail yourself of the services of the organization and then became not only a member of the organization, but the head of it. Exactly. And our motto is nothing about us without us. So it's a success story. You could say so, but I'm not focused on outcomes and success. I mean, I'm happy to be where I am today, but I think that everybody is deserving of services, love, respect, dignity, and care, um, no matter what other people define a success for them. We want people to define success for themselves. Tracy, how long have you been involved with Hoosier Action? I know you were a recent PhD candidate in literature, I'm willing to bet, right? Yeah, that's correct. I'm still finishing up my PhD ah. in English literature, uh, uh -huh. but I have been a full-time organizer since January. I started with Hoosier Action as a member um, and then a leader. Since um, really the very beginning of the organization, um, a little over two years ago, um, and I initially um, led our organizing effort on IU's campus, um, mm -hmm. which is called Campus Action for Democracy. So right. um, I founded that um, and organized there and kind of learned how to do this work uh, before I ended up applying for this position. An interesting action by the Campus Action for Democracy group, December 2017, bunch of you, maybe about a dozen or so, visited the office, I guess it was the Washington office, of Trey Hollingsworth? It was the Greenwood office. Oh, so, the Greenwood office, yeah. okay. For those of you who may not remember, um, in December of uh, 2017, we were in the midst of a national conversation and debate about um, the tax legislation that was being pushed through um, the uh, House and then the Senate at that time. Mm -hmm. As a part of that legislation, there uh, was a component of the bill that would have taxed graduate student uh, fee remissions, tuition and fee remissions, um, as if it were income. So, wow. yeah, and not just graduate students, but also anyone who got a tuition remission. So mm -hmm. if you were a child of a custodian at IU and you were able to attend that university tuition free because right. because of that, what the original version of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act um, which our representative, Trey Hollingsworth, voted for. Yeah. Despite the fact that IU is the single largest constituency in his district, that bill uh, contained this provision that would have taxed that custodian's child or graduate students as if um, the cost of tuition were money that was going into their pocket. Right. So um, as a graduate student instructor at IU, I used to make about $15,000 a year teaching three classes um, to mostly freshmen at the university. And, and may I say, in case anybody doesn't know, if you're teaching classes, and you could say, I've been teaching three classes, and some people say, well, that's a snap, but you're working a lot. I I've seen all of you graduate students and all that, working on papers, grading, and so forth. It's a full-time job. Yeah, it's quite a bit of work, uh, particularly in a writing-intensive class. And yeah. I loved it, and I loved my, you know, loved my students. Um, but 
I would have been taxed under the version of the kind of original version of that tax bill as if I made around $50,000 a year. Yeah, yeah. Which I did not have in my pocket. Um, right. Like so many graduate students at IU, I've had to borrow money from my parents, from my partner. I have friends who've sold plasma. I have friends who patronize food banks um, because the um, Just amount, to get an education. Yeah, yeah, um, because the pay is so low at the university and the fees are so high. We, uh, after this tax bill was passed, on the heels of a massive graduate student walkout organized um, in conjunction with the English Graduate Student Solidarity Coalition, we made the decision that we needed to escalate on Representative Hollingsworth because this bill you know, would have taxed many of us out of graduate school. And so um, in conjunction with a dozen or so people, um, graduate students as well as low-wage workers, um, we went to his office um, mm -hmm. and told him that we were not going to leave um, until he agreed to vote against the bill. Was he there? He was not there. He was in Washington, D.C. at the time. And how long did you spend in the office? Oh, goodness. Um, I believe we occupied, this is so long ago, I believe we occupied the office for uh, eight hours. Um, and wow. Yeah, until um, we were withheld access to a bathroom. Oh, boy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. you know, I saw a quote by you after that uh, event. You said, quote, I felt really dismissed and disrespected and honestly disenfranchised by the experience. Disenfranchised. One of the goals of Hoosier Action, of which you're the Bloomington organizer now, Bloomington area, five-county area, is voter registration. And it's important for me to note that you're nonpartisan. You're a nonpartisan nonprofit. CAS, Indiana Recovery Alliance, nonpartisan nonprofit? Technically, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, what do you mean by that, technically, yes? Well, we are people who are just concerned with the welfare and benefit of people who use drugs. Mm -hmm. We're a 501c3 organization. Yeah. So in other words, what you're saying is you don't, you don't endorse candidates, just like Hoosier Action doesn't endorse candidates. Well, actually, Michael, we're a 501c4, so we do have the capacity to endorse candidates and ah. run independent um, expenditures. So um, there's a, a difference between the political speech and contributions that our organizations can make. Aha, I see. So you don't, uh, Cass, endorse candidates. Correct, yeah. We don't have um, a portion of funds going to lobbying or a candidate endorsement. Lots of work on the part of you, you folks. And you're in the social services area, the political, hmm, not advocacy, but activism, let's say, We area. actually prefer the term organizing. Organizing. And that's important to know, Tracy. Tracy, who is uh, the Bloomington rep of uh, Hoosier Action, the main part of your business is to get people involved and people to make decisions, not you. That is exactly correct. And you do that through education, through outreach too. Door knocking? Yes. Um, so we knock um, hundreds, thousands of doors throughout uh, the region. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, my job is is not telling people what to do. It's listening to people and empowering them to make decisions and lead. Mm-hmm. How do people avail themselves, Cass, of the Indiana Recovery Alliance services or benefits? Yeah. If people, How do they find out? Well, we do have a website, which is indianarecoveryalliance.org, and that lists our hours of operation. So we are open seven days a week for people to receive our services. It is completely anonymous. And so you come in and we don't take your ID. We just set you up with a volunteer code and ask you what you need and get you what you need. And so um, we're open on Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at our office from 5 to 7 p.m. We're open on Mondays and Fridays from 12 to 2 at Shalom. We go to Crawford Homes on Wednesdays as well as being at the office. And so there are many ways for people to reach us if they want to get our services. And again, it's completely anonymous. Tracy, why don't you give us uh, your online website address. Yeah, so we're at HoosierAction.org. You can also find us uh, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash HoosierAction. What other initiatives are going on right now sponsored by or facilitated by Hoosier Action? Yeah, so we have a lot moving right now. So in the five-county region out of the Bloomington office, um, we have weekly work parties on Wednesdays from 6 to 8 p.m. where we provide dinner um, and we move this campaign forward together through making phone calls or sending text messages. Um, On Saturdays, out of the Bloomington office from 11 to 3 p.m., we go door knocking. Mm -hmm. Down south, uh, our organizer, Will Stauffer, um, is bringing people together as a part of this campaign as well. I went door knocking with them a couple weeks ago and talked to about 25 people about their healthcare experiences. Um, And as a part of that, I met two different people who told me that either they had personally rationed their insulin because of the high cost, or Mm. in the other case, their sister had rationed her insulin um, because of the skyrocketing price of prescription drugs. So that's also an issue that we're starting to organize people around. Um, We just did an action at Senator Todd Young's office. Uh Um, And then up north um, this evening, there is going to be a community health care forum about the toxins issue in Morgan County. Uh Um, And that is organized by people there who are deeply concerned about the health impact of the toxins that are in Martinsville primarily. So uh, there are folks there who are getting cancer their kids are getting cancer, they're getting autoimmune disease, their dogs and their cats are dying from cancer because of where they live. Well, this isn't the first time that Hoosier Action's been involved with uh, environmental problems. In fact, environmental problems as well as health care are the two pillars of, uh, of your focus. There was the issue in Johnson County, Franklin, Indiana, August 2018, there was a door-to-door campaign Uh, regarding some toxic chemicals. Yeah, I know that it's not resolved. Um, So the EPA is uh, working on it, and we're not done organizing there. Um, We've been working with If It Was Your Child, which is an organization in Franklin as well, um, founded by two women whose children had cancer. Yeah. The environmental issues in Franklin and in Martinsville 
are ongoing. La, 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 la. We've run out of time, so join us Monday for Big Talk Extra during the 5 p.m. daily local news for more of this conversation. Our guests today on Big Talk, Tracy Hutchings Getz, community organizer for Hoosier Action, and Cass Botts. She's the interim executive director of the Indiana Recovery Alliance. Cass, Tracy, thanks for being on Big Talk. Thank you. Thanks, Michael.